You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is In the Buff. Let me take a minute and kind of tell you where this is coming from today. There's a girl that was in our church for quite some time. She was dating a guy. She had attended seminary, graduated, and she was trying to figure out what does God want me to do with my life. She's mature. She's godly. She's grown tremendously. She was dating a guy. It didn't work out. They broke up, and she felt like, you know what, I think God wants me to move home and wasn't crazy about doing that, but really sensed that's what it was and moved home and tried to have a good attitude about going home and got there and things, you know, I think she moved in with her parents and that wasn't really great and things just didn't seem to work out like she thought they would. And I called her recently after a young man had shot 32 people and then himself. And I said to her, who'd have known but God that he would have moved you back to Blacksburg, Virginia at a time like this. And she is from there, and God moved her back there. And I said, sometimes you don't have any idea why you're prepared, why God is sending you somewhere. She was transferred, basically, by God to this, you know, who wants to move back to their hometown? But as it turns out, she is in the middle of it and is equipped, a godly woman in the middle of a crisis, prepared, mature, able to do what God has for her to do there. And it wouldn't have been a moving back there in the middle of a crisis. The fact that she was there on the ground, had some relationships from before, had redeveloped those relationships, she was in place to go to work. And it is so hard to communicate this to some people. We think it's about our life, our comfort, our desires, what we want, and forget that we are a soldier in an army, and he can take us wherever he wants to take us, do whatever he wants to do, and you say, well, it's not convenient, and it's disruptive, and it's not fun, and it's not enjoyable, and I don't like my new job, and I don't like what he's doing with me. You know what? Get over it. Just thank him anyway, because you don't see what he sees. He knows what's coming. He knows where he needs us, and he knows what we need, and just let it be okay. Now, someone I want to talk to you about today is getting ready and being ready. There's a sense in our country especially where there's a lot of fluff. There's a sense at which I'm gonna go to some church and I'm looking for some kind of spiritual crack is what I call it. I go in, I wanna hear your music, I want you to wow me, I wanna feel something, I want some emotion, I want something to happen to me. And if I come back next week, I'm gonna want the same hit but probably a little bit bigger dosage, so keep it coming. And if it's not a great Sunday or an emotional Sunday or a moving Sunday, then I'm gonna find me another church. And people do it with relationships, they do it with churches, they do it with jobs sometimes, instead of just realizing, you know what, grow up, life is not always some emotional high and excitement, sometimes it just is. 
And in the midst of that, God puts you someplace and you've got to grow up. And I'm kind of coming back to this recurring theme with myself and trying to encourage other people because I realized if you're going to get in the business of entertaining floating flaky Christians, you're going to wear yourself out. Whatever you do to get them, you got to do to keep them. And some people are not interested in growth. They're just interested in feeling something. And this great, oh, God is good, and I feel that. You know what? I don't feel it all the time, but I shouldn't be able to know it all the time and help someone else realize that it won't always be a feeling, but there are some facts that you need to know about. Now, let me jump in here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and this is Paul writing to a pretty screwed up church and a bunch of people who had been in all kind of mess. And he says, 1 Corinthians 2, 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And I think too much, we got fancy words, and what you ought to be looking for is the power of God. Show me someone's life that is being changed, where there's growth, there's change, there's development. Verse six, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit." For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, listen to this, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. If you are not in relationship with God, in specifically with the Spirit of God, you are not going to know God things. And you're not going to end up living a godly life. You may end up living some kind of religious life that appears to be good to other people, but it won't be with any power. It'll just be with some kind of acting apart. But if you get in touch with God and say, Holy Spirit, you know the mind of God, you know the heart of God, I want to know the things of God, only the Spirit of God knows those things. Verse 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Okay, so you're not going to get to the Father. You're not going to get to his mind and his heart and what he desires for you and has for you unless you're walking in the spirit and rightly related to the spirit. And there are a lot of people who overemphasize the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell people, if you get in a church that talks more about the Holy Spirit than Jesus, get out. But you should not be in a church that never talks about the Holy Spirit either because he has a job to do and you will never get in touch with God himself apart from the Spirit of God himself. Verse 13, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And one of the things I want to highlight today is this word discerned. And it comes from the word, it can mean examine or judge, to investigate, examine, inquire into, scrutinize, sift, question, 
specifically in a forensic sense of a judge to hold an investigation, to interrogate, examine the accused or witness. So it is not just a casual glance. This is a scrutinization of something. And he says, the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You're going to have to be a spiritual person with the Spirit of God and work in you and searching out these things and giving him time to reveal some things that the natural mind is just never going to get. And proof of this to me, for years, I would read this Bible. And I would read the words off the page. I could memorize the facts. And I think sometimes the stuff I memorize, like, who cares? You know, I can tell you how many tribes and, you know, just statistical stuff. I don't need all that in my brain. I can't use that on anybody. But if we get all, we think we're going to win Trivial Pursuit, And that's all it is, is a trivial pursuit. If you don't have stuff you can apply to your life, then somebody showed me the difference in reading the Bible, not just for factual information, but for spiritual insight and saying, Holy Spirit, you've got to show me what it really says. Because on the surface, the facts that are here are not all that's here. There is so much more to scripture than just reading words. And a lot of people who are in the natural mind, just they may be Christians, but there's nothing spiritual going on in their life. They say, well, I read my Bible today and I didn't get anything out of it. Then I would ask you to examine and take a look at your relationship with the Spirit of God and ask yourself, am I walking with him closely enough where I hear him and where if I take some time and say, reveal more than just what's on the surface here, show me what God is saying, what he's trying to do in my life specifically, you'd be amazed what happens to you. But it's going to take some more time. It's not just you know, taking a metal detector and going over the surface, it's getting a backhoe and going after some stuff and giving God some time to reveal that to you. Let me read you something out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. A few verses out of here, Paul writing to the same church, just a different letter, verse 1 and following. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And clearly it says here that it's possible to handle the word of God deceitfully. And it happens every day in this country and around the world. People who do what I call jerk-a-verse theology, grab some verse, throw it at you, make you think something, give some money to them, tell you you're going to get rich, you're not going to have any problems, whatever they got to tell you to get you to send money in, and it's deceitful handling of the Word of God. So that is possible. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. And listen to how these people are described. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ." There's going to be something different. You're going to see. There's one passage I didn't read yet out of Matthew chapter 6. Verse 22 and 23, he says, the lamp, this is Jesus talking. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? There ought to be enough discernment in your life and in your eyes where someone notices a difference when they look in your eyes that are the window of your soul, basically. And when we look in other people's eyes, whether they say, you know, we say, how are you doing? Fine, everything okay? 
the combination of their eyes and the Holy Spirit speaking to you and through you where no matter what they tell you, you say, I ain't buying it. And you're not rude, you're not pushy, but we ought to be sensitive and discerning and aware of who is around us and what's going on in order for the Holy Spirit to tap us and say, do something, ask again. And sometimes that's all it takes. And I've had situations where I, you know, someone says, hey, how are you doing? I'm not doing so good, but they didn't ask again. I politely, culturally lied, right? Now, I'm trying to do that less. Somebody says, how are you doing? Not so good. Sit down. It'll take a minute. You know, you asked. You teach them to ask you how you're doing is what you do. Don't ask you. Okay, okay, you look fine. I'm not going to ask. But some people, if you say, how are you doing? They say, I'm okay. You say, you know what? You know, I'm not trying to get in your stuff, but I sense that something's going on. And I'm not going to be pushy, but if you want to talk about it sometime, I'd love to sit down and listen. You're not going to fix everything. You're not going to fix anything. But when you have the opportunity and someone's hurting, say, would you mind if I pray for you? And not meaning when I get home or before I go to bed right now. You'd be stunned how many people never have anybody pray. They think maybe you prayed for me, but pray for me now, put an arm around me, and hear someone pray a prayer for them and minister to them on the spot. It's unbelievable the difference that makes. Let's go to another one. Philippians chapter 1. Paul, writing to another church. Let's jump in at verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers with me of grace. For God is my my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And listen to this, what he pray. And he says it, verse nine, and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God If he's praying that, that's what we ought to be praying for each other. And the question is, is this going on? Is your love abounding still more and more in knowledge and all discernment? Now, this seems like a simple question, but this is the question. Are you growing up? Not does anybody else think you're growing up spiritually. Can you look in the mirror, look back if you keep some kind of diary or some kind of prayer journal and look back over the last year, the last five, 10 years and say, you know what? I'm not where I was. I am moving. I am growing. I am developing. I am wiser spiritually. I have the discernment that I should have. I am helping other people. It's not about me all the time and my comfort and what I enjoy. God is using me. I am serving other people. If you don't see that going on, something is wrong. And we hate this when little kids, you know, little kids that are newborns, we think they're cute and they start to develop. But the second a kid stops developing physically properly or emotionally or mentally, everybody gets concerned because it's not natural. It's not what's supposed to happen. In the same way, in a spiritual sense, you become a Christian and you die a baby, something is wrong. It's not natural in the natural world. It shouldn't be natural in the supernatural world. You say, well, why do you get all hot and bothered about this? Because somebody's got to grow up to help the other people who are coming along grow up. Somebody's got to lead. Somebody's got to mature sometime, or there's no one to pick up the next generation. All right, I'm going to close with this passage out of Hebrews chapter 5. 
In Hebrews chapter five, and let me start with verse one just for some context. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God that he might offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. And he's going back into the Old Testament system and he's talking about the sacrifices that were made, who made them, and the high priest was the guy to do that. Every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. That apply to anybody you know, namely me? He may have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. Now I'll tell you how you know when some guy is struggling with something. When he's busting your chops angrily about something, I can almost guarantee you he's got a problem with it. People struggle with stuff I struggle with stuff, and the reason I try to be so vulnerable is somewhat tied to this, because he himself, he says, is also subject to weakness. I know what you're going through, because I'm going through the same thing. So we had high priests in the Old Testament who were subject to weakness, just like we are, and had compassion on those who were ignorant and going astray. Because of this, he is required, as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins, and no man takes this honor to himself, but he was called by God just as Aaron was. So in the Old Testament, you got a high priest, no matter how great he was, he still had weaknesses, and when he offered sacrifices, he was offering them not just for everybody else, but for himself as well. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, talking about God saying to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you, as he also says in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, and listen to verse eight, and this has been ringing in my head for about five years now, verse eight. Hebrews 5.8, it's talking about Jesus. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Talking about Jesus. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. You know what Americans are trying to do about as much as anything? We don't want to suffer at all. And then you read a verse like this, and it says, though he was a son, he is God in the flesh, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. And the writer of Hebrews goes on. He's talking about all this. He says, and talking about Jesus, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. One of the toughest things preaching is there some days I'll get up on a Sunday or even here, I guess, every once in a while, and you start saying stuff, and people just look at you like, is it going to be over in a minute? And you never can tell if they're just absorbed in it and God's speaking to them, or if they're just going right over their head and they don't care anymore. Well, we're supposed to show up, so here we are. And they're doing grocery lists. You, know, you think they're taking notes out of the Bible. They're writing all the to-do lists for the week. I think we've all been in this situation with kids or somebody training at work. If you've ever had to do a training session at work and a bunch of people staring at you and just, you know, head going back and forth. Verse 11 is your verse for the day, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. You don't even hear it anymore. Now let me tell you what happened to me at least. I got tired of hearing the religious stuff. I don't want any more religious jargon, gibberish, just facts. Show me the power of God, show me the word of God, show me where some change is happening or you can have this stuff. 
If it doesn't change my life, it's probably not going to change your life. And if it's not changing your life, then what are we doing? And if the Spirit of God is not at work in our lives and through our lives, you just got you a ticket to heaven and you're a nice person. Then he goes on to say this, verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Here's the question for me and for you. Are you unskilled in the word of righteousness? If so, you are a babe. It is time to grow up. If you cannot apply the word of God to a situation in someone's life and show them how to live the Christian life the way you supposedly are living it, you say, well, are you questioning whether I'm living the Christian life? Let me tell you something. If you're living the Christian life, you are multiplying because people who grow up and mature have babies. In the natural world, that's what normally happens. In the spiritual world, that is just a natural outcropping. So if you're not multiplying, something is not working. You say, oh, but I have a great personal, private relationship with God. Show me where that's all you're supposed to have in Scripture. And I'm not talking about just evangelism here. I'm talking about looking around and finding someone who, as it's described here, is ignorant and going astray and saying, hey, buddy, I got the same problems you do. Somebody help me. I'm here to help you. You don't have to die ignorant going astray. I'll help you find out the straight gate, the narrow way, and stay on it. There's a way to do this if you'd like some help. So once again, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Verse 14, and this is Hebrews 5. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, this is what I love about studying the Bible. The word here for exercised is a word gumnazo, and it's where we get the word naked, in the buff. Mature discernment is found only in the buff, those who have been exercised. And we say, oh man, look at that guy, he's all buff. You know why he's all buff or she's all buff? Because she's worked out, he's worked out. That's where those muscles came from. You have got to exercise, you have got to strip it all down, get in the buff, so you're one of the buff in this category, and you are exercising your senses to discern both good and evil. It's working it out. Verse 14 again, solid food belongs to those who are of full age, mature people, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Are you using what you're learning? And everybody will tell you, if you learn something and you use it, that's the stuff you remember. You write something down, you hear it one time, but it's the stuff we use at work every day. That's what we're proficient in. That's the stuff that we go, wow, I know what to do in this situation. If you're just reading the Bible and you have no intention of applying it to your life and you have no intention, even after you apply it to your own life, of helping someone else apply it to theirs, you're not growing up. Because part of the maturing process is what? Exercising this thing, using it, giving it away to someone else. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there on the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. 
So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. So part of my question before we get out of here is this. Are you willing to get in the buff? Are you willing to let God strip it down and say to the Spirit of God, take everything that is just a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want you to fill me. I want you to show me how to get in touch with the mind of God, to know what he's thinking, know what I'm supposed to be doing, so that when I read the scripture, these things that are only spiritually discerned will make sense to me, and I can have the power of God that saved me from a real hell operating in my life to use me, to help me grow up and minister to other people, serve other people, and know how to rightly divide the scripture in somebody else's life. And my observation and this isn't going to sound very pretty, there's not many people doing this. You say, well, that's the preacher's job. It is not the preacher's job. It's your job. And you say, well, but I don't like the sound of this. Read your Bible. It's in here. And if you spend the rest of your life going to work, writing your check on Sunday, sitting through a Sunday school class, if you're doing that, going to some Bible study, and you are not giving anything out yourself personally to somebody else, you're missing something. You're missing the joy of the satisfaction of God using your life. You say, well, it's scary and I don't know what to say. Then read the book and get it in your heart so that when it comes time to say it, it's coming out. And you'd be amazed how much scripture you remember that you're using. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.